So as we start this morning, just to kind of quick, as the easiest for me to do is to review real quick, just to get my mind where we've been and where we're going. We started with the pattern of the kingdom again, God's people in God's place under God's rule and blessing. And when we're studying that, we said the pattern of the kingdom is, was Adam and Eve in the garden, very beginning in creation. Adam and Eve were in the garden experiencing God's blessing as they obeyed his word. The perished kingdom was after Adam and Eve fell, we say all of humanity was plunged into ruin. They were in rebellion and they were kicked out of the garden, out of the place that God had for them. And they were under the curse instead of a blessing. The promised kingdom was Abraham, who's the kind of after you get through Genesis a little ways, God is going to speak to a man named Abraham. He's going to say, Abraham, I've chosen you to make you a great nation. I'm going to take you to a land that I will show you and you will experience blessing. And and it's a very powerful picture. Not only that, you'll bless all the nations or your people will bless all the nations of the earth. You keep moving. We got to the partial kingdom. And in the partial kingdom... We said Abraham and his descendants became a people, a nation, and that nation uh, was going to partially experience the promises that God had made to Abraham. And, And so just a couple of things you just say, the physical descendants of Abraham are presented here. God preserves and rescues them. God gives them his law. We looked at that. God set up a sacrificial system when they failed to obey his law. God led them into the promised land and they were at rest there. God gave them kings to help them be under his rule, to lead and guide them. But in all those blessings that God gave a physical nation that you read through your Bible and you see in the historical portion of the Old Testament from Genesis all the way you could say uh, as we were looking at it through, through the Chronicles, as we see that historical progression, we find out that uh, they re- rejected God's rule. They rebelled against him. So they were not living under his authority as they should have. Eventually, they're going to be cast out of the promised land. And they're going to be, like Adam and Eve were sent out of the garden, they're going to be cast out of the land of blessing. And so that's kind of what's going to take place. Now, that's where we're at today in the prophesied kingdom. We're saying, how did all of that come about? And that's what we'll be looking at now. The prophets were people, and we'll look at this further, but they they were people that would speak to the people, and this is what they did. The prophets came in, and they would say, you are in sin. Like, you, you, the way that you're responding to God, the way that you're treating people is sinful. And so they would speak to them, but they would also say, and they would say, you're going to come under the wrath of God if you do not repent. So the people hard-heartedly just stood up against that. They, you know, like you, you ever spoken to somebody and you say, they bristle up. They don't want to hear any truth about who they really are. They can't look in the mirror. So they step before the mirror of the law of God and they hear the truth about who they are. They do not respond rightly. The prophets say, kill them. And that's kind of what's going to take place as we think this through. But the prophets are not only going to say, God is going to judge you and watch that we're going to watch that take place. But they're also going to say that in the future, God is going to restore everything. He's going to make everything right. He's going to give, they're going to give them a promise of hope. Now, um, some of you like here today may say, you know what? When you're speaking about that, my life. I've almost lived two lives. And that's what Israel, you could say about them. When God, I, I've lived a life, uh, I lived a life of rebellion and, 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 and I continue to reject God and, 
it brought ruin in my life. I was delivered over to live in rebellion, and I just continued down that road, and it brought great ruin. And I have scars to prove it. And I, and I could tell you stories, and there's things that I'm so heartbroken over, the things that I've done, the things that I've said, the things that have, that have come about because of my rejection of God and His rule. The prophet would say, you are a sinner and you need to be damned. But the prophet would come back and say, but there's hope of a restoration. There's hope of a new birth. There's a hope of of him redeeming and bringing restoration and and restoring. It it, it made me think this week of like, you know, when you go into... um, a jewelry store and we and it always that 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 imagery comes to my mind i read it at some point in the future and they lay out this dark cloth and then and then they'll take a diamond out and they'll set it on top of that dark cloth and the light will shine on it and it'll burst forth like and blow you away and i think that's really if you think about your life and you say look it, you might say I was it was filled with darkness and despair and brokenness and ruin and and some people would love to say and that's how it's always going to be you know those real judgmental people like that's how it's always going to be you are worthless in our eyes and I remember when you did this and that and this and that and this and that and the prophet says yes that's true but then he promises hope of restoration and i think as christians here today like if that's not the way i mean like if you look at life and all you say is that person they're worthless and in my eyes i remember everything they've done they're evil they did this to me and that to me if that's your idea of a prophet you've missed it a prophet wept over brokenness a prophet prophet wept over sin and rebellion and a prophet came in and says god is going to judge you but he's going to bring you back and restore you and bring new life he is going to after the darkness he's going to bring forth light and he's going to make something beautiful out of that he's going to t- bring, t- he's going to, t- to do things that you can never even imagine so i just would say to you today that this is what's so wonderful about the prophets is that there are they do present a harsh picture of the darkness but they also say man there's going to be a glorious day to come so let's get started you ready we we start out and we say they're god's mouthpiece when you look at that in exodus there's a couple of places but but there's a place in Exodus where Moses is really struggling with being a voice. He said, I can't speak very well. And so God says, look, I'm going to give you Aaron. And Aaron is going to speak. And he says, I'm going to make you like uh, God to Pharaoh and your brother shall be your prophet. So the idea here is what's going to happen is, is Moses is like, God's going to speak to him. Moses is going to be like God in that he is going to deliver to Aaron what to say and Aaron will speak it. That's the thing about a prophet. And that's the difference between you and me. You may say, hey, I have a prophetic voice and I've got something to tell you. But these guys are actually hearing from God. You know? Like they actually, God is telling them what to say. And that's what makes them distinct from us maybe when we think hey i've got something to tell people but i think it's important you see they are a mouthpiece of god the scripture says no prophecy in second peter was ever produced by the will of man but the true prophecy 
I mean, you understand that. Throughout the prophetic times, there were these false prophets, and they had everything to say but what God would say. But true prophets, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit of God. So God the Spirit carried these men along, and He gave them what to say to the people. Jeremiah, what we find out is early on, now the word of the Lord came to me saying, that's how Jeremiah, at the very first of his ministry in chapter 1, God came to him saying, this is your message. This is what you are going to speak. Now, what was the role of the mouthpieces of God? They were covenant enforcers. Now, you just got to get that in your mind. It's like they didn't, again, make up what they... That Not only was their message, when they came and preached to you, not only did that come from God, but that message was steeped in and based in what God had already said. Now, this is very important. When I'm trying to think about God, I, I do not... And, and people, sometimes when I have a dialogue with people, I met with a guy this week, we were talking about it, and one of the things is, like, I, my role is not coming up with a message. I do not pray, God, give me a message for the people this week. Instead, what I do is, we go to the Scriptures. Right now we're doing something a little bit different, but we are following the, the broader picture of Scripture. But we go to the Scriptures and we say, what did God say? What did God say? And therefore, as a result of that, I'm going to try to figure that out well and then speak it to you. That, that's totally different than saying, I'm gonna, I've got a message today. I, I don't get a message out of the thin air. I get a message as I, un, I try to unpack and understand the Scriptures and then then unfold them before you and say, here's what I understand the Scriptures to be teaching in light of what I've studied this week, here's the best of my knowledge what God said. Really, the goal is, again, for you to help you to read God's Word better. I want you to open the Bible and be able to read it better. And the way you can do that is for somebody that spends hours studying, saying, I think this is the main point. That's how the prophets were. They took, they took the law of God, and Moses really was the first one in this sense that he presented when Moses came on the scenes he is the one who came up and said God gave it to him he gave him the law and the law began to be the standard by which Israel was judged or addressed where they said like how do we live with God how do we walk with God how do we interact with one another they go back to the law so what happened with these covenant enforcers were they go back to the covenant documents the law and say this is how you're supposed to live and you're not doing it they address people in their time with those truths. So, I think it's important, and this is what happened with the people, they, they said that there were a couple of occasions where they said, <clears throat> specifically like Deuteronomy 28, God says, this is what the law says, and they said, all the promise, all that God says, we will do. In Joshua, at the end of Joshua, Joshua says, you better follow the Lord. They said, all, the, all that God says, we will do. They were... They were uh, they were like rehearsing, like, we'll walk in the ways of God. We'll walk in covenant. So the prophets come in and say, whoa, hold on just a second. Jack, you're not doing that. And I think it's important that we see that because here's the thing. 
We talked about last week how God had his people and, and what happened was they lived in a nation and there was the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And what he did was he said, okay, <clears throat> he said, the northern kingdom, basically, when they split, they're going to be sent away. The prophets came in and said, hey, you're going to be taken away. And they really never came back. And the southern kingdom had prophets who came in and said, because of your rebellion, you're going to be taken away. And 70 years later, they would come back. And that's kind of what took place. And we're going to, we're going to talk about that just a little bit more. But I want you to understand the prophets came in and addressed God's people and said, you've broken God's law. You will not repent. God is going to judge you for your sins. You deserve it. And he will, he will take you away from this good land that he had promised to you because of your rebellion. Now, there were two, a couple of great prophets in the beginning. And you can just kind of note these Elijah and Elisha. If you've read about them, they spoke to the northern kingdom. And much of their ministry was addressing the kings. You see, the kings did not lead the way that they were to lead. They were not the leaders that they should have been. And so Elijah and Elisha will address the kings. And, uh, one, and really, a lot of times, for worshiping other gods. The kings did not worship the one true and living God. One time, the king, one of the kings, King Ahab, had brought all these uh, prophets together, and they had begun killing God's prophets, and they took in these prophets of Baal, which was this false god in that region who, who was uh, horrible. And what they did was, and it's very interesting, I mean, if you study about it or read about it, but what you find out is uh, he, he, he steps up, and, and he's like the true prophet of God, and so he's, there's this altar that they build, and uh, he stands there, and the, the, he says to the prophets of Baal, there were 400 of them, Y'all make Baal like send fire down from heaven and consume this altar. And so they start crying out and for a long time, hours, they do it. They even start cutting themselves and like, come on, Baal, like, come on, whatever we can do to do that. And so he starts messing with them. He's like, maybe you need to speak louder. He's hard of hearing or whatever. And he's messing with them. And you see this true prophet of God standing against those who are in rebellion against God. And then he cries out to God. God consumes the fire. And then he goes and kills like 400 prophets of Baal because he's saying we will not worship false gods. What he was saying is at the very first commandment in the law of God, you shall worship and serve the Lord your God only. And no one else. And he said, like, you are breaking that Israel. And these people who are here are rebels against God. And he cut them off. So I think it's very important that we see that take place. Now, after, like, Elijah and Elisha, we had the writing prophets. They are also, again, covenant enforcers are saying, God says this. This is the way we're to walk. You are in rebellion against God. You are not loving God rightly. You are not loving one another rightly. And he addresses that. And he comes after these prophets, these writing prophets. We read some of them and they come after them with a fury. Now, what happens during this time, Just to, there were some 8th century prophets that, that were kind of doing some of their, their stuff in the northern kingdom until 722 B.C. And again, there were southern kingdom prophets that, that also confronted Israel uh, until the Babylonians took them into exile. So, just to kind of get that in your mind, that's kind of taking place in the prophetic realm. Now, we're going to put all this together, but I've got to lay some of this out for you. Also, there was a prophet like Daniel. While the people of the southern kingdom was in Babylon, Daniel lived there, and so he wrote during that time. Afterwards, after the, like they came back into the land, there were some prophets that would speak. All of this is kind of going on within the prophetic books that are unfolded. Now, what is the message 
of the prophet. We kind of already hinted at this. We go again. Judgment and hope. So I want you to see that kind of quickly in the idea of judgment. Because that's a very important uh, thing. Now, when we hear judgment, like, uh, you know, sometimes you, like, we think judgmental. You ever met somebody you think, oh my goodness, you know, they're like the most judgmental people on the planet. And you're like, are you kidding me? You know, they're just, that's just their style. Evidently, you know, I don't, I don't, uh, not necessarily from the Lord, but that's just, they, they love to pick people apart, you know? And so you meet these judgmental people and you say, good night. Uh, we don't really like to hear people speak like that or talk to us like that. Now, the, the reality is, is we do have to make judgments, though. How many of you would like to live in a world where there were no judges? Zero. Be pretty frightening. No judges at all. No one that could make, like, uh, could, like, look at issues and say, make a judgment. Now, some of you say, well, maybe that would be good. What if somebody starts uh, swiping stuff out of your bank account? Do you want somebody who can, like, fight for you, protect you, make wise decisions for you? Absolutely. You want something, someone who can make things right. And so we say, like when we're talking about judgment, um, especially when we say about the judgment of God, that, that when, when God makes a judgment about things as the eternal heavenly judge of the universe, it is always right. It is perfect in every way. We say God is just. And he always judges rightly. And his judgments are just. And so we think, like when we think about that, we say that's a good thing. That God would make a judgment about what is right and wrong. And he would tell us about it. So, so what's going to happen is God is going to use these prophets to say this is what's wrong with what's going on right now. And they would speak to the people and make it very clear. And no one could say, oh, we didn't know. We didn't know. They said, you do know. The law of God reveals it, and you've had a prophet that is speaking to you. So I think it's important that we see that. Now, I would just say, like, from a practical standpoint within the church, there are some, I mean, there are some pastors, like, that are, like, uh, like have a more prophetic voice, I believe. They just do. Like, they can, they can, like, look at what's going on in a church or in a world, and they can just see things in a very clear way and bring like a clarity in that way and say like this is how people are walking in rebellion and making that clear and sometimes even like the scripture says brothers and sisters in Christ I don't know I mean different groups of people have have, I mean when you think about that like as we have relationship with one another there's times where we would talk to one another about like stop doing that like this would not be honoring to God we do that with our children with our families we do that with within the spiritual family now here's the thing when we do it let's just say this because I think it's important we say we still need people that say this is what's right or wrong. When you do it, it better be clear, clearly, it better, it better be a clear sin. Let's put it that way. It better be a sin, not your own thing that you make up that you think is sinful. It better clearly be a sin. When we speak to someone, they were speaking about sins. Not sins in Jared's eyes, sins in God's eyes. Sins as revealed in the Word of God alone. That, that, that is what a prophet addressed. We should also, when we speak to a brother or sister in Christ, it should be with a broken heart 
over sin with a longing for a brother or sister to be set free and restored. It's never to come after them in anger and say, I hope they feel this way. I don't like them. I don't have anything to do with it. It's never that way. It's saying in brokenness, I want to see restoration. It's not in a judgmental like, I hope you burn, but I want to see you restored rightly. And so I just think it's important we say that prophetic voice needs to be heard today. We need to address sin, but we need to do it the things that are clearly a sin. We also need to speak to someone where we say, I want to see restoration. I love them. And one of the things I love about the prophet Jeremiah is he was weeping. He was really, if you look at Jonah, he's not the guy you want to be. I mean, Jonah is not that. When Jonah shows up and he's angry, hoping that you do go to hell. He hopes those people that he's speaking to turn their backs on him, maybe throw a few stones, and then he hightails it out of town while God sends fire down from heaven. But when you look at the heart of God, Jeremiah is one. He's coming. He is weeping over the people as they throw human waste on him. You see that? It's a little different. Jesus, when the foolish... Pharisees, in their anger and in their self-righteousness, begin to pick up stones and throw it? Did he say, way to go, guys! Pass me one! I'd love to do that. Happily. No, he looks at them and says, you who are without sin, cast the first stone. He stops them. Jesus called sin out. But it was to bring healing, to rest, restore. The prophets, the prophets when they spoke, Von Roberts says, are both forth, forth tellers and foretellers. They're forthright about the situation at hand. They're addressing those things, the, the sins of the people, but they're also speaking in the future. They're, they're looking at the future. The prophets did not just speak to Israel as a people. Prophet, the prophet spoke, Amos spoke to the worldly nations. He would say to the nations like, your rebellion, in your rebellion, God is going to bring judgment upon you. But he also spoke to the people of God and says, in your rebellion, God will bring judgment on you. It's very important that we see that. This shows us that the whole world is held accountable to God. The prophets will speak in such a way where you see the whole world is held captive by the eternal judge of the universe. Really, and I've said this a bunch, but I just want you to remember, your greatest fear in life is not Satan. That is not the greatest fear you should have. You should fear God. He is the one who is the judge of the universe. And we should revere Him. Because He is the just judge of the universe. Now, um, I'm just trying to think how to 
I'll give you an example maybe that would help us in looking at this. Um, when we like, and you do this with your own kids, but when you tell your kid like something like, this is a way you should walk. This is a way that you should live. Uh, this is a way that's good for you. But really, when you take the law of God and help apply that to their life, we talk to them about loving God and loving people and how, how, how things are. Well, you know, when he hears us say that, he doesn't always receive that with joy. Do you know that? Like, Will, he doesn't always say, oh, that's great, Dad. I love to hear that. You know, I want to hear the truth about and how I've offended the things that are good and right. It's interesting. Uh, right now, he's like curling his nose up. Mm. And you'll say, Will, you, you're not supposed to do that. And he'll look at you, and he, he's been pointing. Then he'll start doing gibberish. And I'm like, Dude, what is that? You know, new language. He's made one up. And you're like, oh, my goodness, you point at me again. And so you go over there, and he gets a spanking. You run him back to his room. The prophets were that way. The people, like, didn't always want to hear from the Even truth. We don't always want to hear truth. That's why we don't say, give me more, give me more. You know, you don't want to hear that. But, and, and sometimes we just, oh, we want to just fight back. And it's like, we're, when we're doing that for Will, and we're saying, like, you're not going to continue to act like that, it's for his good. It's for his good. When he gets a spanking and has to go to his room, it's for his good. He made the decision. He kept doing rebellious things. He's got to go to his room. He's got to get a spanking. It was for his good. The prophets would speak on behalf of God for the good of the people. God is loving but must punish sin. Um, it, it's very important we see that. That's what loving is sometimes. That's what loving is. Like if you say, I love my kids so I don't punish them, you love yourself. That's why you don't punish them. You love yourself. I want to have a good day. Let them do what they wish. Tough love, I mean, or love is tough and it's difficult. Now, it doesn't mean it's always that way. It's not like I would say, hey, I love you, Will, and spank him. Like, I usually give him a hug. But God in His justice, and as a just God of the universe, for the good of the people, will punish their sin. So, so it was good for God's people. It's good for us. Revelation 20 speaks of the final day when the judgment of God will come. So we see the prophets are not coming up with their own message because they're mean people and they're kind of like those crotchety, you know, angry people in general. And so they come after people and you're like, oh, look, there's old uncle so-and-so. He likes to gripe at people. It's not the, it's not the prophet, you know. The prophet is one who is going to speak on behalf of God for the good of the people. Now, is the prophet's only message, Urgh. no. There's hope in their message. Sometimes, like in Amos, it's like you got to wait till the last five verses. You're like, dude, man, come on, lighten up. Just a, and the last five verses, he brings in this hope-filled message. And that's what we'll look at that just for a minute, just thinking about the hope that comes from the prophet. Um, man, this is a hard thing to get. So if you've been kind of zoned out for the last 10 minutes, kind of zone back in just for a minute, okay? What, I mean, it's very important. There, there is, and, and we don't have time to like talk through this, 
But there's a conditional element to the, God's promises. Um, God made it clear through Moses that they will forego his blessings if they do not obey. But there's an unconditional element to them. His promise to Abraham is a guaranteed commitment. God made a promise to Abraham. I just read that because I wanted you to hear it that way. But then God made a promise to Abraham that was unconditional. It had nothing to do with Abraham. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to make you a blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's what he did with Abraham. But then with Moses in the time of the law when he gave it, the people had a responsibility to to uphold their end of the bargain, which was they would be faithful to God. So the Abrahamic covenant did not involve any commitment of Abraham or his descendants, but the Mosaic covenant, if it was broken... Uh, they, they were responsible for it. And so the prophets, when they're speaking, they're picking up the Mosaic Covenant saying, you said you would obey God, you did not, you get judgment. So it's very important, I think, to see that. Now, what happens, though, is God's going to say for His people, He is going to restore His people for all time. He made a promise through Abraham. He will bring it to pass. And that, that's kind of the basis for the hope that we see. Now, let's talk about the hope that God gives His people. So we say God judges his people for their sins, but there is hope because he made a promise through Abraham that he would make a great nation, that he would bless them, and that it was a, it's a promise that would come to pass because God alone is the one who made it. So let's just kind of look at this real quick. One is this, God would keep a remnant of people. We're going to see that in this hope-filled message is that God would have a remnant of people. You could write this down, Isaiah uh, 10, verses 20 and 21. He says that there will be survivors, even in the midst of God judging His people, He would keep a people for Himself. He's going to preserve a remnant. This is the other thing God says through the prophets. He's going to have a new exodus. Remember the exodus story? God, uh, Israel's in Egypt, they're under bondage, and God delivers them and He brings them out. They exit out of that land. Later, we're going to see that they're going to come out of uh, Babylon, and He's going to bring about a new exodus. Exodus. He's going to bring them out of that place. Now, here's the thing. And this is something we're going to see as we go forward. Jesus is doing that. He does that in the Gospels. So not only are they going to come out of Babylon, but there's going to be another Exodus story. A new Exodus where He's going to bring people out of bondage to sin, out of bondage to death. He's going to bring restoration completely to the people of God. You see that in Matthew. In Matthew 14 and 15, we see Jesus bringing people out into the wilderness as a picture of an Exodus. And we see Him do that with the Jews. And then we see Him do that with the Gentiles. And we see that. And then the church is established. And so the prophets are saying there's going to be another exodus. It was the pivotal event in the history of Israel. God said, you're my people. I'm bringing you out. And God will do that again. The prophets let us know that. Now, who is going to bring the people out? This hope-filled message is this. Who's going to bring the people out? The, 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 The prophets will speak of a servant. Isaiah 53 says... He was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon Him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with His wounds we are healed. 
All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned away every one to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He's saying that in this time period, there'll come one, this servant, who will give himself for the people. He will not deserve to be crushed. He, they deserve to be crushed. They deserve to be judged. He will take their judgment. The prophets are saying, hey, listen, there's a hope-filled message. God is going to bring about a new day. He's going to establish a people. He's going to bring about a new exodus and bring his people out of bondage to sin. He's also going to bring forth this servant. And this servant will lead the people out by being crushed for them. The prophets spoke of this new people not being just Jews. They were Jew and Gentile. Isaiah 49.6 It is too light a thing that you should be of my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the, the preserved Israel. I will make you as a light to the nations that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. The prophet says, hey, there's hope. There's hope from the, for Jew and Gentile. And what does that mean for us? If you're here today, you say, hey, this is a, I think for the most part, this is a Gentile bunch. Right? You're sitting here because the prophets, the mouthpieces of God says, listen, everything looks lost. Everything looks broken. This kingdom that seemed like God was establishing, everything's gone. There's hope, though. God is going to raise up a people made up of people from all over the earth. What about God's place? How did the prophets sprinkle hope into the lives of the people? Speaking of God's place. He said there would be a new temple. He said there would be a new temple. Ezekiel speaks of this temple. And, and we understand that, you know what happened? The people of God are going to come back out of Babylon. And they're going to start building the temple. And you've maybe read about it. And they start building it. And, and they kind of stop. And then they start again. And they get it built. And the young men were shouting with joy. And the old men were weeping. You know why they were weeping? Because they said it didn't. It, doesn't, it lacks the glory. It lacks the astonishing beauty of the temple that, of Solomon. And yet, when you're seeing that, you're saying, oh, it's partially being fulfilled, but there must be a greater temple. In Ezekiel's vision, that temple has a river coming through it, almost like it looks like you're going back to Eden. All these glorious things, and you say, good night, what's that going to be like? And we'll see as we go through and read the Bible, and as we study more and more of this of this study, we're going to see God is going to bring about a new temple, and this temple is going to be more glorious than one place. And one day we'll experience it in its fullness. He, he, the prophet said in Isaiah 65, 17 and 18, For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, and the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind, but be glad and rejoice forever in that which I create. For behold, I create Jerusalem to be a joy and her people to be filled with gladness. There's this point here that he is going to bring restoration to the whole earth. So the prophet, again, is not just doom and gloom. It's not just saying everything's bad, everything's ugly. They do say that. Everything's broken. Judgment's coming. But they're going to say there's, there's light beyond it. You're going to walk in darkness, but you're going to see light. What about God's rule and blessing? The prophets speak of a new covenant. 
They speak of a covenant. Now here's what's so beautiful about the covenant that the prophets speak about. They call this the new covenant. Jesus inaugurated that covenant in Luke 22.20. But what we find out about that covenant, he says, um, this covenant will not be like the one I made with their fathers when I took them out of the land of Egypt. My covenant that they broke. You, you know, that's what's so sad about Israel. They made a covenant with God and they broke it. And they were judged for it. But he's saying, behold, a day is coming when there will be a new covenant. And in this new covenant that I'm, that I'm bringing about, I'm going to write my law in their hearts. I'm going to make them obey me. I'm going to make sure that they're preserved. I'm going to make sure that they walk in my ways. He says in that new covenant, there will not be people saying, know the Lord. All the people will know the Lord. They will all be walking in God's ways. It's a very powerful picture. The prophets speak of that day. The prophets speak of a new king who will reign over all. It says that about this new king, he'll be a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. The prophets speak of a great blessing. They say, behold, days are coming, declares the Lord, when the plowman shall overtake the reaper and the treader of grapes, him who sows the seed. The mountain shall drip with sweet wine and all the hills shall flow with it. Well, you see that? Let me ask you something. When you hear those, you might say, uh, I don't really like hearing the prophets. They're kind of boring, kind of, you know. But if you really listen, would you long for that day? Do you really long for that? Do you long for, I mean, when they start speaking of this, does your, your heart should be overflowing with joy. You should say, I've never seen a day like that. We're waiting for something like that. That's something I could live for. That's something I can hold on to when everything is broken in my life. I need to hear from a prophet. I need to know that he's going to bring, God is going to bring restoration to all things. I need to hear that when the darkness comes. I need to hear that when I'm wondering if I'm going to be able to make the next step. I need to hear that when all my energy's gone. I need to hear that when my brother or sister or family member, is, is, they tell them they have cancer. I need to hear that over and over and over and over and over again. I need to hear that in the darkest moments of this life because the prophets are saying darkness has come, but there's a light that's dawning. Keep looking out. And do you see the light coming? Not the light just made up in my mind where somebody gives me a card and says, have a good day. Not that kind of light. A light that will be an eternal light. A light that will give me hope for the future. I need to hear that a time of great blessing is coming. And I need to know that people are going to, you'll see here, return from exile. But they did not experience in the full all the promises of God. We're going to look at this next week, but John's Gospel in John's Gospel, 
we learned that in Christ was life, and the life was the light of men. We learned that the light shined in darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. We learned that there was a people made up of Jew and Gentile who were walking in darkness, and the light came on them. And they received the light with joy. You see in the Scripture, in the midst of judgment, hope arrived. The hope did not disappoint. We, we, we'll see about Jesus that He is the fulfillment of all the promises of God and all the wonderful things that we learn come, we've learned about are going to be fulfilled in Him. Today for you, as a person, I, I don't know where you are, but th- these words need to be heard. John 1, 12 and 13, But to all who receive Jesus, who believe in His name, He gave the right to become children of God. They were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. So I would just say to you, you may say, listen, I'm a great sinner, and I would agree, you are. I deserve the judgment of God, and I would say, you do. And then I would come alongside you and say, but there was one who came to bring restoration to all things. His name is Jesus. Repent. Believe in Him and you have hope of eternal life and you'll experience all the blessings that He promised. Let's pray. Father, we thank You for Your your Word. We pray that You would let us see more clearly the wonder of the salvation that we have in Christ. God, I pray as a church, Lord, the people here, we pray, we as a people, would be dominated by a sense of joy and urgency of letting others know about the glorious gospel. We pray that we would be people who would say, judgment is coming. But, but, but that's not the whole story. There is a hope that transcends, that, that, that blows us away beyond the judgment that, that, that's so shocking. Lord, that's a message. Give us a heart to share that message to the world. We beg you, Lord. We beg you for that in this church, that we would not grow weary in doing good, that we would not settle for selfishness, that we would not live our lives for our own glory, but we would build up the things that matter, that we would be a beacon of light to the nations. God, I just pray as a people that we would not be dominated with our lives and our selfish desires. We would be dominated by a vision of the King who's come to restore all things. Please, Lord, please work that in us. Please use us in that way. Lord, we we beg you as a church to do that. And I pray you would cause us to turn away from anything that would hinder us. In Christ's name, amen.